is worthy to bring forth these judgments upon the earth. Because he is righteous, because he is holy, because he is worthy. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the author of Why Life Hurts and co-author of Evangelism Made Simple. Hi, welcome to In Grace. This is Jim Scudder, uh, starting a new week here, the middle of February, and it's also President's Day, and uh, we want to uh, be thankful for the, the presidents that God has given us in this country, especially our founding president, George Washington, and of course, the great Abraham Lincoln. And let's pray for our president, whoever he or she is, because uh, they need prayer, don't they? And God commands us to pray for our leaders, even if you don't agree with them, pray for them, pray for wisdom, pray for protection, and pray for this country. Uh, today, we are getting back into our series, Armageddon's Dawn, and we have a 43-part sermon series on end times and Bible prophecy, and we're going to be today in Revelation chapter 4. And as we open up this part of the book of Revelation, we're finding a throne room scene. If you wonder what it's like around the throne of God, we're going to discuss that today as we're going to be looking at these four beasts that surround the throne of God. And we're also going to talk about worship a lot today. Worship is one of those things that I think has gone way off to the wrong direction. Uh, it's more about uh, making us feel a certain way or, you know, uh, a certain style of worship or music when it really needs to be more focused toward God and toward providing him the worth that he deserves. That's what worship is, is giving worth to the one who is worthy. And so that's what we're going to be discussing today. Let me remind you that we have an Armageddon's Dawn prophecy chart that I can send to you for free. All you have to do is contact us. You can call us during business hours, 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE, or you can go to our website, ingraceradio.com. If you'd like to write to us, our mailing address is in Grace PO Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. When you contact us, also ask for the Armageddon's Dawn video series and the Armageddon's Dawn 43-part sermon series. Contact us today. Prophecy can be a little confusing. We read it and it sounds just incredible. So what we're trying to do is cut it down into bite-sized pieces and understand it in the order that it's going to take place. Revelation is generally in line, but not always. And we're going we're to explain that as we get to things. Revelation, the first chapter, is about Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ and his glory and his power. And then the next two chapters, two and three, are about the churches, it's the church age, the seven churches. And there are things that are written to real churches of John's day 2,000 years ago, but those things apply to us, or they can. We see the church ages in history, but we also see that those issues, whether good or bad, could apply to our local church. And so it's important that we have looked at those and make sure we're doing the things that Christ commended, and we are not doing the things that Christ condemned. So that's the first three chapters, and all of a sudden, no more church until the very end. 
So where did the church go? Well, look at the prophecy chart and you'll see that the church, we believe, is raptured. The rapture of the church, where those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds. There's a, a people, a group that lives that will not face that first death. And we hope to be part of that group, amen? I don't really want to die, and I'm not afraid of death because I know where I'm going. But dying, I don't know. I don't think any of us are thinking, yeah, that's going to be great. I can't wait. <laughs> well, if you are, you, there's, we can get you some help. <laughs> but the rapture of the church, you've heard my dad say a thousand times, I'm not waiting for the undertaker, but for the upper taker. And that's a glorious thought, isn't it? That that could happen in our lifetime. But the church age is the age where we're currently in. It started at Pentecost. There were 49 days after the Passover, and then they would uh, have the Feast of first fruits. They would have the wheat harvest coming in, and then the idea of the Feast of Pentecost, or 50, and that is when, of course, some major things happened in the church, but it was a day that is one of the high days of the Jews, and they still celebrate it today, and they would have to go to Jerusalem on that day, the day that they would remember the giving of the scriptures. And so we happened to be in Israel that day, two weeks ago, and it was both good and bad. It was good because there was no traffic at all. It was glorious to drive around Israel with no traffic. And it was bad because there was nothing opened. But it was uh, an interesting day to be there. And on that day, we went hiking through the Valley of Elah. If you know your Bible, you'll remember that a shepherd boy fought a giant, a Goliath, there and won. And that Valley of Elah had wheat that was ready for harvest. It was really beautiful. So we think of the, the first fruits. We think of bringing the Lord our best. And then we think of Pentecost. But Pentecost was that Jewish celebration that the disciples were waiting in the upper room. And, and Jesus had ascended and said, wait. And the, this comforter's coming. The Spirit of God is coming. Because we're so worried. Like, now what do we do? You know, Jesus had died and rose again and, and had spent time with them and ascended. But now what? He was everything to them. But he promised them a comforter. We still have that comforter. If you have received the gift of eternal life by faith, you have been indwelt by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has baptized you into the body of Christ. And we are all one ecclesia called out assembly. We are of the body of Christ. And God will, Jesus will come and take his bride to heaven soon. But church age began, I believe, at Pentecost when the tongues of fire came down upon the people, upon the disciples. They were able to speak in languages that they did not know, but these were known languages, unlike today's Pentecostals, which are probably not at all languages that are known. But all of a sudden, because they had people from all over the world, remember Pentecost, they would come from all over the world on that day, and they were speaking to them in their language. And it was incredible. And we were just there at the traditional side of the upper room, and that's where Peter, from this coward, this uh, scared, where he was afraid of a little girl, remember the damsel at the, at the scene of the trial of Jesus, and he was scared, and he denied the Lord. What changed him into a powerful preacher of God? You want to read a powerful sermon, read his sermon on Pentecost there in the area of the upper room. And thousands, thousands were saved. So the church began and the church continues. We don't know when the end date will be, but the end date will be 
whenever the Lord returns for us and we will be raptured. And then we have the seven-year tribulation period, which is this seven years we'll be in heaven, we'll be with the Lord, there'll be a couple events for us, but then we have this rise of the Antichrist, and we have a false peace, and then we have the great tribulation somewhere in the middle, he will desecrate a rebuilt temple. We were there in the old city of Jerusalem, and we saw, again, the western wall, and there are many Jewish people that want to rebuild the temple, and we believe that will happen eventually, very soon. And then we have the return of Christ. This is called the second coming. He comes where he left. He he left on the Mount of Olives. He will return on the Mount of Olives. He will come down through the Eastern Gate, which is sealed, but it won't stay sealed. And uh, the Battle of Armageddon, the series of battles, sin will finally be put down. And then we have this thousand years. And we're going to get into the thousand year rule and reign today and talk about that a little bit. But all of this is just very interesting and very intriguing. What are the three W's? WWW is many more syllables than World Wide Web. But what are the three W's of the Christian? You all remember that from last time? Working for Christ, witnessing of Christ, and worshiping Christ. So the three W's, it really comes down to that. It's really simple. Are you working for the Lord? Are you witnessing of him? And are you worshiping him? Worship isn't just the song service. Some people think that's, it's praise and worship and we're all here. And I love bringing praises to the Lord. I love listening to beautiful music, praising the Lord. I love it when we can all join in and, and bring praise to the Lord. But that's not all worship is. Worship is all the time doing the things that he tells us to do, walking in his way. That's worship. That's saying, I feel he is worthy of my worship. We're gonna see worship today. True worship is giving worth to the worthy one. This is worship. The last time we peeked into heaven, a lot of people are not sure what's heaven gonna be like. Well, we're getting a glimpse into what heaven is like. And remember the Bible says that eye has not seen nor ear heard the things that the Lord has in store for those that love him. This is just the tip of the iceberg, what we're seeing in this throne room of heaven. And that's where we are in chapter four and five is the throne room of heaven. It is the reason that God is worthy to bring forth these judgments upon the earth. Because he is righteous, because he is holy, because he is worthy. If you want to learn more about the Bible's end time prophecies, In Grace and Pastor Jim Scudder have great resources that will help you. First, we have a large prophecy chart that we will send you absolutely free. And when you give a gift of any amount, you'll also receive our eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn, filmed in Israel. This series will give you a visual experience that will transport you to the very places mentioned in Revelation. We also would like to send you Pastor Jim's entire 43-sermon audio series, Armageddon's Dawn, on CD or MP3 for gifts of $30. Don't miss out on this opportunity to enrich your understanding of biblical prophecy. Contact In Grace today at 800-78-GRACE. That's 800-78-GRACE. Visit our website at ingraceradio.com or write to Ingrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Get your free prophecy chart and unlock the secrets of the end times today. We spent time 
in Shiloh. Shiloh is a town that was north of Jerusalem about 20 miles. It's in the hill country of Judea, Samaria. It's called the West Bank. I don't like to call it the West Bank. This is Israel's land for all eternity as God has promised them. And there we were at this ancient site. It's this hill, a tell, and there stood the tabernacle, the first permanent residence of the tabernacle when Israel came into the land after Egypt. They came in, they conquered Jericho, they conquered Ai, they went up to Mount Ebal north of Shiloh and worshiped the Lord there at Ebal and Gerizim and then came back to Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. What we're going to see today at the end is how the tabernacle and the temple, the temple is basically the permanent tabernacle, and this throne room has a lot of parallels. And that's what we're going to see. Anytime we read the Bible, God is brilliant. And we're seeing how all these threads come together into one place. What you're going to see today, I think is going to blow your mind. It's amazing when we start to see these threads through Scripture. So what are these creatures? Revelation 4, verse 6. The second half of the verse, we already read the first half last time. In the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts. Now, this word is zoa, beasts in the Greek. And you can hear in that, not if you're thinking a beast as in this ugly creature. No, a beast is a living creature. Okay, Maybe that would be a better way to understand these four living creatures. These were creatures. By the way, if you say creature, you also have to assume creator, right? Creature has to be created. We have these four living creatures and they represent creation. Wouldn't that make sense that these creatures, these intelligent creatures that God created, the most intelligent creatures of God's creation, you can think of them as angels, but they're not angels. There are a couple different groups in the Bible of these creatures. Some are called cherubim and some are called seraphim. We're going to talk about that. If you want to read a parallel passage, read Ezekiel chapter 1. That's your homework. Read Ezekiel chapter 1 and you're going to see these four creatures in Ezekiel's vision as well. But these beasts, these four beasts were full of eyes before and behind. Did you ever know anyone that had eyes in the front of their head and eyes in the back of their head? My teacher in first grade and second grade and third grade, there was one teacher that said that she had this, uh, you know, she had the chalkboard or the dry erase board, and then off right here was a TV that they would use for attendance and stuff. But when the TV was off, she could totally see the class. It was like a mirror, but the kids didn't know that. So she'd be writing on the board, and she'd correct one of the kids without looking back. And they were astounded at her ability to see them when she's not looking their way. You had a teacher like that, or you had a mom like that. You can see with eyes behind their head. Well, now we have these creatures full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And you're saying, what in the world? What in the world are we talking about? Remember, a living creature denotes a creator. And these four creatures 
are found in creation. We were filming In Grace at Qumran, and Qumran may contain the greatest archaeological discovery of all time. I think it already did contain the greatest archaeological discovery of all time, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Verifying over a thousand years of history of the Masoretes passing down, the scribes passing down the Jewish scriptures. And critics of late have said there's no originals, and how do we know that all these copies of copies are accurate? The Dead Sea Scrolls bridged all of that. So that was, I think, the greatest discovery of all time, and I think if you asked any academic or archaeologist, they would agree. They would have that way up in that list or number one. But there might be something even greater there. We'll talk about that more later. But we were there doing some filming to talk about what could be there in Qumran, and we wanted to walk up this path. It's just a path. It had some rocks on both sides, and we walked up the path, and then we wanted to go over to see this hill of rocks that one person thinks might contain a cave, which might contain some incredible things that have to do with the temple, the Jewish temple. So we're just going to go walk over there and do some filming over there, and we're about halfway across. It's about a football field. We hear the voice almost from God. Those of you walking off the path, return to the path. You're not allowed to be there, you know, and it's just like you, you go, you put your hands up, and it's the craziest thing, because we were a couple football fields away from the place that, you know, these people were at. So we walked back, and they, they, this guy comes up to us, and he says, we don't want you disturbing the, the nature. We don't want you to disturb the ibex. You know, we're, and he says, he says that the ibex are mammals, and we're mammals, but we don't want our mammals disturbing those mammals. It just, I couldn't believe he was saying that. Can you believe that, that some people think that we're just mammals, that we've just evolved to a higher form? And uh, he also said that if you fall off the path, your insurance won't cover you. Okay, that's probably true. So he brings us back to the path. The path had this like 40-foot drop-off with loose gravel, and he brings us over there, and he shows us something down there, some of the Dead Sea Caves. So I kind of tongue-in-cheek said, so you're telling me that if I fall over here, where it's a lot safer, I can't get insurance, but if I fall off this cliff that you're taking me to with this loose gravel, my insurance will cover me. He didn't answer me. <laughs> mammals. Are we mammals? Is that all we are? Are we just animals? People are acting like animals. Maybe it's because we've been telling them we evolved there was one uh, Air Force doctor that we happened to meet in Israel, and a colleague asked him, he said, how could you possibly, a man of science, believe in creation? And he told his friend, he said, all I want you to do is go study the human eye for 30 minutes and come back and talk to me about how that possibly could have happened so intricate and so incredible by random processes and chance. That's a great answer because it really is scientific to believe that a genius creator created the human eye and everything else. These living creatures showcase the creator. These four creatures symbolize God's creation. The lion, the calf, the man, and the eagle. These all relate to the covenant that God gave to Noah. 
Let's look at that covenant, the Noahic covenant in Genesis chapter 9. Look at verses 8, 9, and 10. And God spake unto Noah and his sons, this is after they got off the ark, saying, And I, behold, establish my covenant with you and your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you of the fowl, underline that, of the cattle, underline that, and of every beast on the earth with you from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. We have a covenant. What's a covenant? It's when God gives a promise. And there are many covenants in the Bible, but this one, the Noahic covenant, is an unconditional covenant. He is promising certain things, like one, if you keep reading, that he will never destroy the earth again by a flood. There was one awesome guy, I love him to death, he's fantastic, he's intelligent, but he's not sure if the flood was global or if it was regional, because he had never, no one's ever found human civilization or remains pre-flood. So he thinks maybe the flood was regional. I said, then how could all the highest mountains be covered by a regional flood? That doesn't make any sense. And I also said, why did God put the animals on the ark if it's just a regional flood? He didn't answer me either. But these are good questions, right? The Bible says the earth was flooded, the whole earth. And here, after the flood, God is giving a covenant, a promise to not do that again. And in this list, you have Noah, the man. You have the cattle. You have the ox, representing the cattle. You have the fowl, represented by the eagle. And you have the beast of the earth, represented by the lion. So now do you see these four creatures that are before God in this scene of worship. Their job is to worship God all the time, eternally. They represent God's creative power and ability. The man, the eagle, the calf or the ox, and the lion. Do you remember the circular green rainbow in our throne scene? God has promised these things and God is a covenant-keeping God. Why does that matter to me? If God has promised certain things to Noah and its descendants because we are descendants of Noah. If God has promised certain things to Christians, which he has, right? To never leave us or forsake us, to be with us, to bring us to glory. These are promises that he has said, and if he says it, he keeps his promises. Why is that important in this throne room? Because God has given certain promises to the earth, these prophecies, and these things will be fulfilled. He is a promise-keeping God. If it's an unconditional promise, he will keep his promise. And we will talk much more about true worship and these four beasts, these four living creatures, as it's properly called, the ones that are bringing worship to the Lord. And, and, and we can join in praising the Lord for all who he is and what he has done. And this is really exciting, especially when you start to see the, 
the four different living creatures and representing the four major components of the created world. And we'll talk about that more tomorrow right here on In Grace. Also, I'm excited because those of you that listen on American Family Radio, uh, we've been on for evenings uh, for a long time, uh, but now we're on during the day. So at 1130 every morning Central Time, uh, we're grateful for all of you listening. If you do listen on AFR, uh, contact us and let us know that you listen. Also, when you contact us, ask for your Armageddon's Dawn prophecy chart that'll really help you follow along with the sermon series that we're in. We also have a very extensive Armageddon's Dawn audio series, all of my sermons, 43 sermons on audio CD. We'd love to send that to you as well. You can contact us and and find out how to get that, as well as an eight-part video series called Armageddon's Dawn, filmed in Israel. The number is 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE, or go to ingraceradio.com. Are you ready for an end times journey of biblical proportions? Get the stunning Armageddon's Dawn Prophecy Chart for free. Or give any amount and receive the incredible Armageddon's Dawn eight-part video series. Plus, you can order the 43-part audio preaching series. Contact InGrace today at 800-78-GRACE, ingraceradio.com, or write to InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us 800 78 Grace or go online ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Grace Radio.